You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast? With John Stolness and Brandon Lee Gowden. Welcome into BGN Radio. This is episode 48, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, your special host for today. John Stolness is out of town. He's at Disney World with the family, so he's taking a nice little vacation during this NFL draft, but I'm filling him for Michael Kist on Twitter at NFL. Follow my work at BleedingGreenNation.com, of course. Joining me today to recap the entire draft now, it's finally done, this arduous process, is BLG. Brandon Lee Gowton. Follow him on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. BLG, how you doing, brother? Mike, always glad to make it through another NFL draft. Always a fun time, but uh, a busy time, an arduous time, if you will. And as always, we start this show off with an historical reference. No, I'm just kidding. Wrong show. Glad to be here with you, Mike. <laughs> Absolutely, man. No historical reference today. That's for the QB Sco show. You know if you were listening to that. But let's let's cover what happened in the draft in day three. If you haven't been caught up, make sure that you catch BGN Radio episode 47, where we talk about the selection of Andre Dillard. There's also the BGN special, the draft special number two with Brandon Thorne, where we talked in depth about Andre Dillard's game. So that's some good extra content for you there. If you're looking for it, BGN Radio episode 48, we talked about the day two picks, the selections of Miles Sanders and also JJ Arcega-Whiteside. So make sure that you check out those episodes. But today we are talking about day three in the draft, also the undrafted free agents, the priority free agents that the Eagles have brought in. We've got a trade to talk about. And of course, there was the after draft, post draft, Howie Roseman slash Doug Peterson presser, where we got some nuggets from there as well. So looking at the draft itself in the fourth round, pick 138, the Eagles select edge rusher Sharif Miller from Penn State. A lot of Penn State guys. We're going to talk about that. Then later on, pick 167 after a trade down, what I believe it was with the Patriots, they select Clayton Thorson, quarterback from Northwestern, which was an interesting selection. And then with their 264 that they picked up from the trade with the Patriots, they traded that for Indianapolis Colts defensive tackle Hassan Ridgeway. So they add three players to the roster today, not talking about the undrafted free agents yet. Looking at Sharif Miller, uh, obvious depth piece, maybe has implications on what happens with Chris Long moving forward. BLG, what do you think of the haul overall? Yeah, I mean, also, too, if you want to include all that, but I'll also kind of include the fact that, you know, I, I kind of forgot the Eagles traded one their their six-round pick this year, in 2019 here, yeah. uh, for Deshaun Jackson. So you kind of, I, I lump him into this haul as well. Uh, I also figure in that with the Golden Tate trade, ultimately, you know, he left in free agency, but you're potentially getting a fourth round comp pick for him next year. Uh, and then obviously the uh, the Eagles also got a 2027 round pick back from the Deshaun trade. So just wanted to kind of include all that together when you look at that in the big picture. And I think the Eagles, you know, they accomplished some things here. Just the first impression of this draft class as a whole is that it's only five picks for the second year in a row. Like that's 
it's not a lot of picks. Yeah. I mean, that's 10 picks in two years. Some teams, um, I'm sure some teams this year or multiple teams this year have at least 10 picks this year. So that's definitely something that's kind of curious, especially when you have the owner of the team, not even a month ago or so, being there at the NFL owners meetings and Jeffrey Lurie just saying that, hey, you know, we believe in picking in volume. And then you only have 10 picks in the last two years. So it's just kind of interesting. Um, and then obviously the fact that of the picks they made in this year's draft, only one is a defensive player. And I think yeah. I'm fine with that because you look at what wins in the NFL and it's offense, right? I mean, we saw the top four offenses in the NFL from 2018 all made it to championship or conference championship weekend. You know, the Rams, the Saints, the Patriots, the Chiefs. If the Eagles are going to you know, skew things to one side of the ball, I'm completely fine with it being offense. I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, with that said, Mike, and Harry Roseman said he regretted saying it, but you know, he called this <laughs> an historic draft class for a defensive lineman. And they only drafted one, and that guy was the aforementioned Sharif Miller, who the Eagles showed some interest in um, leading up to the draft. They had him in for a visit, a pre-draft visit. I don't know if that – I kind of just assumed to count – Counted as a local one because he's from Philly. Right. The first Eagles player actually from Philly to be drafted by Philly, I believe, since 2004. Fun fact for you there. We, I think we all expected the Eagles to you know, come away with this draft originally with potentially multiple defensive linemen. And they only had one. They made five picks, so their options were ultimately limited. But um, I don't know. It's kind of uh, interesting what that defensive end picture looks like now because you have – Obviously, Brandon Graham back. You have Derek Barnett, who I'm sure Benjamin Solak is projecting a huge year out of him. And you too, Mike, in year three. Um, you, know, you, you still have uh, – you brought Vinny Curry back. That's great. Yeah. Um, you also have Josh Sweat entering year two. Deshaun Hall, Joe Osman, kind of more so at the bottom of the roster there. Although I thought it was kind of interesting how he mentioned Deshaun Hall before Josh Sweat. Maybe that's nothing, but I just kind of thought that was interesting. And now you add uh, Sharif Miller to that mix there in that rotation. You know, defensive end obviously going to be a position that this team highly values, and as they should. Uh, you can never have too many pass rushers. So I don't know. I think I'm kind of whelmed with that pick, not underwhelmed, overwhelmed, kind of just <laughs> properly whelmed with that selection. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I mean, as far as the, the total amount of picks and how much went to defense and what I feel about the picks, so four out of five go to the offense, as we said. And you mentioned – that how he said the historic defensive line class, we only get one guy. I mean, I would consider Hassan Ridgeway as another defensive player that they got in the draft, quote unquote, because he is 24 years old, mm. uh, four and a half career sacks, couldn't crack the rotation for the Indianapolis Colts. It feels like a, a really good trade for both teams. It makes a lot of sense. So we'll see if that pays dividends. I reached out to Jake Arthur of Colts.com, and he pretty much said the same thing. Said he was a powerful guy. I just couldn't really get himself integrated with the flow there in the defensive line, but says, you know, he can cause some disruption in the backfield. So that's promising. Now, also, Howie Roseman did say that Timmy Jernigan looks good, which if I'm reading between the lines, BLG, that is a Pro Bowl season lock it in. But really, I mean, when you look at the Sharif Miller pick, he wasn't real high on my board. He wasn't a guy I did a formal evaluation on. I did about 150 guys. That's what I do about every year. That's not a failure of Sharif Miller. That's a failure on my part, time management and all that stuff. But when I was cramming the film today for him, some things that really stuck out was this guy is just his raw. He's going to need some time. And that's what day three picks are. So when you look at his film and you see that his hand usage is underdeveloped, you like some of the raw tools, like the burst up field is nice. His ability to, you know, to tilt 
up the arc and, and get around a corner, but he's got to do a better job with his hands softening the edge. He's got to widen the toolbox in which he uses some of those pass rush moves and some of the plans of attacks that he has, being more responsive to the sets that he's seeing, uh, you know, develop some different inside counters along with that. So be a little more responsive to what's going on because when his first move is, is stuffed, he has a hard time getting off of it. Same thing in the run game. He struggles with length, has a hard time disengaging and whatnot. But again, you know, you're looking at just the raw tools. It's something that we want to work with. So we'll see if we can develop him and see if he can crack the roster and make the team. So he's an interesting pick. He wouldn't have been my guy there. Even with that said, you know, Howie Roseman was asked, you know, when it got to a certain point, were you looking at safety? Were you looking at linebacker? Because safety was a position that we talked about a lot. And we really thought with the way that the board was falling, maybe in the second round, we get one, possibly in the fourth round when guys started falling. And he said, you know, sometimes you look at the linemen and you look at the other positions. And they're really close. And basically how he said, you know, we're always going to default to the linemen going back to the philosophy that they have always had. You build through the trenches. So I get it from that aspect. The problem with the draft started for me, I would guess 167 with Clayton Thorson, who I don't think is a solid quarterback. And I'll read you a scouter report from the draftnetwork.com. I'm not real high on Thorson. I saw him in Mobile, but this is from uh, Kyle Krabs from the draftnetwork.com. He was summing up his game. He says, quote, Clayton Thorson will check the superficial boxes teams look for in potential starting quarterbacks, but beyond the surface of his resume, there are massive pitfalls and holes. Thorson often even makes the most routine throws look difficult, and despite his notable experience as a starter in the Big Ten, he struggles greatly with accuracy, throwing mechanics, and velocity. Thorson is a fringe rosterable player who has likely reached his ceiling, a limited and erratic passer. Now, his colleague Joe Marino there at the Draft Network said that the ceiling for Thorson, he was a little bit higher on him, the ceiling for Thorson is in three years being a solid number two backup quarterback, which, <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, honestly, <laughs> get excited, guys. Get excited. We're bringing the positivity up. But I mean, when you think about it, where he was selected for quarterbacks in the NFL, if he's that I think that's a win. I'm not even being negative about it. Like we know how valuable like backup quarterbacks are, solid backup quarterbacks are. If he can become that, then that's a victory in my eyes. I don't think anyone is expecting him to become a starting quarterback down the line. But if he can develop as a backup and at least become a spot star in the future, obviously we have Sudfeld and BLG. There's a whole conversation going on with the Thorson pick as if they had to make it because they had a hole. If they added depth, I think it was like kiddie pool depth. What do you think? Yeah, this pick is obviously, I think the the least favorite pick for many people, not just myself. I <laughs> yeah. mean, the whole thing you just mentioned there, Mike, about like, oh, they had to take a developmental quarterback uh, because <laughs> Nate Sudfeld's going to be a free agent next year. And yes, that's true that he's going to be a free agent. But did we forget where the Eagles got Nate Sudfeld? I mean, he was a six-round <laughs> pick in 2016, yeah. But, you know, Washington let him go, and the Eagles saw a chance to pounce on him. And maybe those chances don't come around as often as some other quarterbacks are available, but I don't know. I feel like, like they could take a chance on a former late round draft pick on you know someone some team drafts maybe like this guy the Eagles drafted here and Clayton Thorson and he gets cut <laughs> and another team it's like okay maybe we can do something with that without actually having to use a draft pick. So yeah, I just I don't love it there. I mean especially just because you know the Eagles only had five picks. Like we just talked about this, you had so few picks yeah. to begin with, and now you're. It's not like they had like ten. You know what I mean? It's like they had ten and they spent one on a quarterback. It's like okay, whatever. You know. They had so many picks anyway. They can't necessarily even always roster all these players all the time. So, but that wasn't the case here. You know, they they only had five picks. They used one on this guy. Who the the other thing I've seen kind of in defense of this pick is like, well, they can just flip him. You know, in the future, uh, you know, and and trade him for something. And I mean, 
Like maybe, but it seems like he would kind of have to defy expectations to do that. You mentioned that scouting report. I was reading the one from Lance Sirline that was like his limited field vision combined with plus physical traits gives him a chance to become an average backup in a pro style offense. <laughs> Again, a chance to become an average yeah. back. Like come so so that's the thing here. Like what is the upside? It doesn't seem like there is a lot. Even our friends from inside and you SB Nation's Northwestern blog have, you know, labeled, you know, a high floor, low ceiling kind of player. And I, I yep. think that's just kind of what he is. And he's 24, he turns 24 in December. So he's older for a quarterback prospect too. His college stats were terrible. They weren't good at all, uh, which it wasn't everything. You know, you can, and people have been like, oh, his supporting cast is bad. And like, okay, fine. I don't know. And he also has an injury history because he had the ACL in early January, 2018, I uh, still played 14 games as a senior, so it's not like he missed a ton of time. But still, you know, he has that in his background too. So I just don't love it. You know, I maybe prove me wrong. I, I didn't love the Nick Foles pick when it happened back in 2012. I didn't fully get that at the time. Uh, so maybe this is just another one that proves me wrong here. But to me, it's just like this is a fifth-round pick on a guy who in the most ideal situation here is going to be a third-round quarterback this or a third-string quarterback this year. Uh, I guess he'll be competing with AAF signing Luis Perez for that kind of spot. And maybe, you know, in the best case scenario, he overtakes or he just wins the the uh, backup quarterback job next year when Nate Sudfeld is gone. So I don't know, just like, what am I supposed to get excited about with Clayton Thorson? Yeah, it, it's interesting. And I'll, I'll pitch you my scenario for a quarterback that I had higher of how this maybe works out. Uh, Clayton Thorson gets cut and then Brett Rippon, the quarterback from Boise State, who has 90 career touchdowns, only 27 career interceptions, 64% completion percentage over four years starting at Boise State NFL Bloodlines. He goes to the Broncos as an undrafted free agent. It's a, quarter, a crowded quarterback room there. He gets cut, and then the Eagles pick him up, and then I'm, I'm a little bit more excited, so I feel a little bit better about this scenario. But, look, I, I'm really not trying to be negative about Thorson, but, again, what are we expecting from a fifth-round quarterback? If he surprises us, that's great. But you know what does get me excited? Before we go to break here, I want to bring the mood up a little bit because we've been so far away from the first round where I was just ecstatic that I feel like we need to bring some of that positivity back. So what gets me excited after an uneventful day? And it brings a smile to my face, BLG. One sack. One sack allowed by Andre Dillard in 2018. Only 11 pressures. One sack. He says he still remembers it. He thinks about it all of the time. That pick right there is the savior of this class, of this entire hall. And I'm not saying like guys like Miles Sanders and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside need to be saved. But that first pick, if he lands, you got your left tackle of the future. And that's, to me, a successful draft. When you look at the way drafts go for teams over the years and you look at guys that end up making meaningful contributions and so on and so forth, if you nail your first round pick you know, consistently, those top picks consistently – you're all right. You can take some whiffs later on in the draft. So I'm super excited about Andre Dillard. Uh, overall, just a feel of how you're feeling. Now that I mentioned Dillard, now that I put that fresh back in your brain, do you feel a little bit better, BLG? Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the home run of this class. That is the probably, you know, the make or break ultimate kind of factor of this class. You know, if he hits, are you really going to be like massively disappointed in whatever else happens? Like if, you, if no one else hits at all and you can say we got this left tackle of the future for years to come, 
yeah, it's a, it'll be disappointing to some extent, but I think overall you'll take it. You know, you're not you're not going to undo that one. So yeah, that does make me feel good about that, and and that is definitely something that I felt I've been feeling good about, regardless of everything else. If I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here, though, Mike, yeah, how much do the stats matter in the sense of this? You know, this one sack thing, just because of the level of competition that Washington State played, is that. Is that anything to you when you know the stat is getting thrown out there? I was trying to throw it out there with no with no context, and you called BS on me. And I appreciate <laughs> that fact, but yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, something that I talked about a lot. We talked about on the BGN draft special number two with Brandon Thorne was the fact that you know Justin Hollins from Oregon, who I'm not even sure got drafted or got drafted late, was his best competition as far as pass rushers he lined up against last year. So you do have to take that into account. But I'll counter with the fact. That I don't know if you saw this, but Jeff Stoutland did a special for uh, for the Eagles site, and he was he was talking about Andre Dillard, and you could just hear the excitement in yeah. his voice, and he was pointing out things that just like the nuanced little things that that Dillard gets because he gets kind of talked about as like a green prospect as a, as a raw type guy, but there are so many little different nuances that you discover about Dillard's game as you go on, and I don't think he's going to have problems. Like we talk about competition, okay? So for instance, you, you talk about that a lot with a lower level division, like a Division two player, a Division or a Division one A type guy, and you say, oh, you know, he was just able to beat him with strength, and he's faster, and he's stronger, and he doesn't need any technique and whatnot. Dillard Dillard was facing lower levels of competition as far as edge rushers go in a, in a higher competition type scenario and doing it with technique, with hand technique, with foot quickness, with good sets. Like he doesn't have a whole lot of technical flaws. He just has areas of his games that are just a little bit underdeveloped. Everything new that he's taken on, all the new stuff that you saw in his film throughout his film, he got better at. He incorporated new stuff and he was good at it. And he's a superior athlete. Anyway, so we didn't have to do any of that stuff. So that's really encouraging. So I appreciate the context, but I still really am hopeful for it. And I think the situation here in Philadelphia with just Stoutland is like one of the best places, maybe five or six places in the league that he could have gone that would have been at, near, or somewhat as good as this situation for him. So I am happy about that. When we come back here on BGN Radio, episode 49, we're going to talk more about this draft class of undrafted free agents. That's coming up next here on Bleeding Green Nation. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And we are back here on Bleeding Green Nation BGN Radio episode 49. Michael Kiss here with you. Brandon Lee Gowton. Brandon, during the day, this thing drags out. Day three of the NFL draft is is a beast. It's long. There's a lot of information. A lot of things are happening fast. But I still took some time to work through some tape, watch some more Miles Sanders, felt a little bit better, 
Thought there were still some holes in his game. So I am feeling better about Sanders, especially his ability in the open field. I posted a clip, you know, teasing episode 48 on, on the BGN radio Twitter account. But I'm starting to feel good about what they can do with him. I talked with a couple of guys. I talked with, with some of your friends, the beat reporters in, in Philadelphia media, saying that, you know, and this is the interesting part, Mike Grow just absolutely had a hard time hiding <laughs> his love for Sanders throughout the process, which is interesting. And what that person also said was the fact that, you know, this is kind of Deuce's pick too. And Deuce is going to ride this into, you know, a, a better coaching gig if it works out for him. So this is kind of like his project. We talked about like Jeff Stoutland and his project is like Andre Dillard and Jordan Mailata. But this is like Deuce's new pet. People are saying, I think it was, I think you quoted uh, Shio Kapadia or you were talking with Shio Kapadia and you said that he believed that Sanders would be the workhorse like week one. Is that true? Yeah, just on, you know, our good friends, uh, Shio Kapadia and Bo Wolf, their podcast, Birds with Friends, um, speaking of friends, they had kind of talked about envisioning this starting role for Miles Sanders and almost like, you know, it's kind of a disappointment if he isn't supplanting Jordan Howard fully. I kind of just don't fully agree with that. I mean, you know, like you got Jordan yeah. Howard for one year and he could easily be gone after this year, but I think they got him, you know, to ride him pretty hard this year. And just because of like the cachet that Jordan Howard has, I know he's strong. He's, you know, his production has gone down year over year and I'm not the biggest Jordan Howard fan, like over the long term. you know, if you're signing him to an extension, but I mean, like this still, this guy has a lot of respect. Like he, you know, he's posted really big stats. And even though I think a lot of those are volume stats and don't speak to efficiency, which I'm kind of more interested in, you know, I think that's something that certainly weighs with the players. You know, the fact that like he's posting this huge numbers, like you don't just have a rookie who has some serious flaws in this game as it goes to pass protection, as you were shown on Twitter, Mike, like, I don't think you just come in, like, you don't have him come in and like Jordan Howard isn't even seeing the field at all. Like that's, I just don't think right. that's the situation here, especially considering from everything we know about Jordan Howard, that actually is an area, you know, where he is good, or at least, you know, at, at the very worst is serviceable in that area. Um, and certainly more experienced just over his t time in the NFL. So yeah, I, I still have like questions about, um, I guess exactly not how he fits in so much with Sanders because I know how he fits into the team. You know, he's going to be a contributor in this running back rotation. I think he's talented, um, but I just go back to some of those flaws and I wonder, you know, how much is that going to limit him, especially in year one and really just kind of overall. I'm looking forward to seeing what he has to offer for sure. I'm excited over, I'm intrigued overall. I'm not like dreading it uh, by any means. And then just the JJ pick again. I think he can be a valuable contributor to this team. Again, it's just kind of more about fit. And I think it's worth noting here now that you know, like, now that we've made it through the draft, you know, we, we had heard talk that Nelson Aguilar might get traded uh, and he didn't. So he's presumably here to stay. So it'll be interesting to see what that fit is, not just this year, but moving forward and how they use JJ, if his speed really kind of, you know, because he had that, we talked about how he tested what like four four nine right four four nine it's weird because like he, he clearly you look at his stats you look at his numbers and that speed and he has the ability to you know make plays down the field and and again too with you know the catch point and everything with him but it's, it's he's not a burner right like he's just that's not the kind of player he is and uh so i guess that's kind of not trying to be negative here but just thinking about some of the things that frustrated me a lot from last year was just that the eagles didn't have a lot of speed and they didn't have a lot of guys who could make things happen with the ball in their hands. And I just, that's one of the things I still kind of wonder about coming out of this draft. I think Miles Sanders is a, a person who potentially helps with that issue. 
but you know, I don't, yeah. I mean, uh, JJ isn't going to, like, he's not a yak guy. So, uh, and I just kind of wonder like if Sanders gets hurt or a Deshaun Jackson gets hurt, like, it's not like you have a lot of whole other options out there. So I guess that's kind of one of the things I'm still thinking about coming out of this draft. Yeah. And, and what a lot of people that I've, I've seen or observed talking about JJ Arcega Whiteside, and I watched more of him today as well pulling some clips and just kind of going through his film, looking at his route tree, saying what he could do, what he couldn't do and whatnot, and refreshing the evaluation for a piece I'll eventually put up on bleedinggreennation.com. But looking at his film, people are saying, well, we got another guy that can't separate. And I don't think that's necessarily true. Why can't he separate? You know, what's wrong with his route running? Because there's definitely, and we talked about this, there's there's different levels to route running. There's different techniques. There's different ways to get open. Just because you're a four four nine guy, who also was clocked under 4-4 by some scouts. But just because you're a 4-4-9 guy, you can still get open with technique. I mean, that's how most guys in the NFL get open. We've got a guy like Emmanuel Hall who ran in the 4-3s, didn't even get drafted. So, you know, you, you have to put the proper value on it. You have to understand that just because he's a bigger guy does not mean that he's not gaining separation. I can show you plenty of examples of, for instance, against Julian Love, who the New York Giants drafted in day three of getting separation on a comeback route. And hard angle cuts aren't the best routes for JJ. He's going to have a little bit of an extra step, but the way he sets it up, the way he attacks the cushion, the way he attacks these DBs, he's able to get separation. And I remember the first rep that I put on today, he won a release so bad it shook a USC quarterback out of his socks. I'm going to put this up on Twitter. Shook him out of his socks and he just stacked them, stacked them right away separation and now he's got position and if jj gets position the rep is over he is open i don't care how far you come back to recover against him so there are different ways that jj can get open now all of your concerns about you know the yak thing we talked about it that's not going to be the strong point in this game so i get that concern hopefully miles sanders is that guy and hopefully he's the guy that you know we can put out into the slot sometimes we can give them those checkdowns and have negative three yard passes go for 15 20 yard games get some explosive plays because jj's game is more down the field he worked the vertical third a lot for the stanford offense he had 16 plays of over 20 yards if i'm not mistaken that was six most in the wide receiver class so we can make some big plays it's just in different ways and there's plenty of ways to skin a cat so i'm still very excited for jj i know you have concerns about the fit and everything like that but let's not harp on that too long we have some news as far as who the eagles have brought in as undrafted free agents let's go through the list here of what's currently out there as we record obviously this is going to be dated just like my um, best available after the draft piece with a negative 10 minutes of posting it but the defensive tackle kevin wilkins from rutgers uh, has been signed as a udfa Another defensive tackle to bring a lot of these guys, man, to, to come in and compete. Anthony Rush from UAB. Uh, the offensive guard, Ryan Bates from Penn State. He spent time at offensive tackle. I wish I had known they were signing him when I was going through Sanders tape again. I would have double dipped. But Ryan Bates spent a lot of time at tackle. He was miscast there. You kick him in. I like his mobility. And I think he is going to be a lot better there. So he's got a chance to stick on the roster. I kind of dug his game a little bit. I thought he was a day three player, but he was solid. Cornerback, Jamalcolm Liggins. Where is he from, BLG? Dickinson State, I believe. And Dickinson, a, NA1A? I, yeah, one of those schools. NAI, yeah. NAI, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> and then wide receiver DeAndre Tompkins, who is also from Penn State. That makes three Penn Staters. So what happened? Did, did Four, that's right. Yeah, yeah four. You keep forgetting so about Sharif. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, Sharif. Yeah, so four Penn Staters. Did the scout from West Virginia like move? Did he, did he get reassigned to the Northeast? Because... Yeah. 
It used, it used to be all West Virginia guys. Now it looks like it's all in-state guys. And Stanford, too. I mean, because you have uh, Nate Herbig here at guard and uh, Joey Alfieri and, in addition to JJ. So Penn State, Stanford, there you go. Local and smart guys is what we want here in Philadelphia. Anything else before uh, before we get out of here? Anything you got for the gentle listeners? Are you dropping any Howie bombs? Has anything happened while we were recording? Hopefully nothing happens while I'm editing this bad boy. Uh, nothing too much. I want to get a grade from you, Mike. If you have to give me a grade for the Eagles draft as a whole. And I know you know some people out there are going to be like, oh, grades are dumb, whatever. And I don't, <laughs> I don't fully agree with that because I think you can take the information that you have right now and what you know now – and kind of grade what the Eagles have done from a process level. Like, is this a good decision from a process level? Like, obviously, we don't know how these players are going to turn out, but if there's a player who just happens to be really tiny and there's really no historical precedent of success for this kind of player and he's not very athletic and you end up trading for him in the fourth round, and his name is Donald Pumphrey by chance. Like maybe you realize that's not the best process. Like that's not necessarily right. a pick that's going to have the best chance to succeed. Um, so with that in mind, with that caveat in mind, um, what kind of grade are you giving here when you're looking at this Eagles draft class as a whole? And if you want to include the things that I mentioned, like the Deshaun trade and the Ridgeway trade, I mean, feel free. I'm just kind of, what's your overall takeaway from this weekend? Yeah, I was going to ask you if I could include Deshaun. I'm, I'm not going to. Obviously, I think it's a great signing to get some extra speed on the field and what he can bring to this offense. His route tree matches up really well with the routes that Carson Wentz throws successfully. So that's that's a win in my opinion. Always nice having a deep threat. But you, you look at this class, and I think the overall theme is development. Andre Dillard, for as much as I like him, needs development. Miles Sanders, as far as his vision, his pass pro, his ball security, his inexperience, that needs development. J.J.R. Siegel-Whiteside is more of a complete package. I can envision what he can do well on the field when he's on the field, regardless of fit. I, I understand where he wins. Like That's developed to me. So that's a plus. And then you look in the fourth round with Sharif Miller, a, a guy that I talked about, needs some functional strength added. So that's going to take him a year or two. Needs some work on his hands. So he needs to develop. Clayton Thorson, who knows if he's ever going to develop, but he definitely needs it, uh, no matter what his floor is. So you, you really look at this class and you say, okay, you like the molds of clay, but there is going to be some growing pains. And development is not linear. It takes a lot of different courses throughout its throughout its course to, to hit its peak. So there might be some growing pains with that. But overall, I feel great about the Dillard pick. I really love the value personally for the J.J. Arcega-Whiteside pick if I'm being you know honest with my board. If I'm being honest with my board, I don't love the Miles Sanders pick, especially the positional value. Uh, and then the rest is just kind of a wash. For that, I'll have to go with a C+. I mean, if, if oh. Dillard, again, if Dillard lands – then none of this matters. None of the rest, because we're weighing a fourth round pick with the same weight kind of as a first round pick right now for this exercise, at least I am in my head. And that's why it's a C plus. But if Dillard hits, none of this matters. We crushed it. BLG, what about you? I'm interested to hear you say that because I thought I was the negative one. And uh, <laughs> C plus. Yeah, but I, I guess I wasn't too far off. I was kind of thinking like B minus B overall. And again, I, I'm kind of I'm inclined to include the things like the Deshaun trade because, I mean, you use the pick to get him. So it counts to me. Like I, I want right. to and, and especially like last year 
um, when the Eagles were missing like a second because they traded for Carson Wentz ultimately, and they were missing a third because they got Ronald Darby. Like I want to factor that in because those are very significant contributions in my opinion, and I think that should be part of the picture. And I and I by the way I I really like I do like getting a 24 year old in Hassan Ridgeway yeah. to come in and come compete. I do like that. Yeah, at the cost of virtually nothing, uh, very very yeah. late. So, and even if he doesn't make the uh, the team, like who cares? Like you gave, you gave up yeah. pretty much nothing. So uh, yeah, overall. And I put up a poll, as I always do here on BleedingGreenNation.com for the, the, the great readers, the gentle listeners to grade <laughs> the draft themselves. And we have 22% at A, we have 63% at B, we have 13% at C. Those are the main Ooh. three grades there. So I think that kind of tells us that that's how Eagles fans are feeling here. It's kind of a B draft. I, I don't think overall... It was a home run in the big picture. I think the Andre Dillard pick kind of has the potential to be home run, which, again, is pretty important. I agree with you. That's probably what matters most. Although, I would say, you know, when you're taking Miles Sanders, you know, with that second-round pick, and we kind of talked about in, like, we better better be getting a running back (laughs) who is better than, like, just okay when you're investing that. And this is the guy, like, and Howie Roseman passing over running back these past couple years when there's been some really talented prospects out there. And yeah. for this to be the guy, finally, like he better be pretty good, you know, if you're going to use this resource and you've been waiting all this time to finally address it with this. So that's definitely another, I think, key pick for me, at least in this draft class. But overall, yeah, I would say B, I, I think they did a fine job with it. I think they could have done better, but I also think they could have done a lot worse. I'm not as excited, I feel like, as I possibly could be. I'm not like tremendously bummed. Uh, so I think a B is about right. Um, C plus, I can't argue too much with you. On that, although again, if I'm including like the Sean thing and that, I, that's what I probably bump it up to be range. So yeah. overall, be solid work, and uh, I think the Eagles are in a pretty good spot overall still going into the 2019 season. I feel good about the weekend. I feel good about where this team is headed. I mean, not a whole lot of holes to fill. So if we get a couple of contributors out of this for you, we're looking real good for the season. Again, Andre Dillard, baby, he makes me smile. So I don't think I'm too down on this class. I- I'll add one last thing, Mike. Yeah, hit it. They didn't address safety, so I guess that's a kind of another uh, a mark against right. the class, which is you know disappointing, just because it felt like there was talent there and it felt like the need was there as well. And then linebacker, that's obviously something fans, a lot of people, have been kind of pining for all off season long. And Eagles clearly just don't value that as highly as some of you do, the fans do, and that's something you kind of I think just ultimately have to come to grips with or just complain about all the time. It's up to you, and it's it's possible they could still make a move there, like it's. It's just because the draft is um, done doesn't mean they're like the whole personnel additions are done. The May 7th deadline is coming up here pretty soon. That means that any free agents the Eagles sign after that point will not count against their compensatory pick formula. So we could see some action in about a week or so. And it's always possible they could trade for a linebacker still because they have they're projected to have about nine picks in the 2020 class. So. Uh, I don't think the Eagles are, are done adding to the roster still either. Yeah, and I'll mention with the linebacker class, I still saw people complaining about that into day three and, and what I've always maintained with this draft because there were two top linebackers, the the Devons, Devin Bush, Devin White. They were gone by pick 10. I said, if it's if it's not Devin Bush falling to us and maybe we trade up or we sit there and magically get him at 25, 
it wasn't going to be a linebacker. There just wasn't the talent. We already have the depth. It's not a concern of depth. We have people to develop. They're in the building. You know, the commute Grugier Hills and, and the Nate Garys and guys like that and the veterans like Paul Warlow coming back. So there are guys in the building. If we were going to address linebacker, we needed to, you know, the Eagles needed to attack it as upgrading a replacement level starter. There were not guys like that in this class. So I completely understand them skipping out on that. I'm a little more disappointed with safety because I kind of wanted to draft for the future there. They went with the wide receiver and running back position instead. We'll see how that works out. I think it's fine. So really not too mad about that. Like you said, and like Howie said, quote, talent acquisition season has not ended, unquote, meaning it is always Howie season here in Philadelphia, here on Bleeding Green Nation. We thank you for joining us here on BGN Radio, episode 49. Hit that subscribe button if you have not yet. Leave five stars if you like what you're hearing. Leave a review if it's funny. We'll read it on the Kisten Solak show. By the way, Benjamin Solak will be back in town soon. So early in the week, you should have some fresh draft review content coming from Benjamin Solak and myself in the beginning of the week. We'll have some at the podium stuff. But for now, keep it locked in on Bleeding Green Nation. Been a little too nice to y'all. I got a up price on y'all. Snake eyes on dice for y'all. Shoulders on ice for y'all. Frozen. A6 all the hate. I won't get involved today. Got lost in the ball and A's. I'm flipping the balls and flipping the. BGN. More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.